0: Chelsea became the biggest spender during the 2022-23 winter transfer window of European football after investing over 329 million euros in acquiring players. The club was nothing but a disappointment in the first half of the Premier League season. Can they reverse the situation with the heavyweight transfers they have completed? Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here.
1: Great to be back.
0: Chelsea outspent basically every club on earth during the winter transfer window.
1: It's very much a case of, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. We're used to this with Roman Abramovich, Uh
0: splurging
1: a lot of money. We see him leave, we see Topoli come in. We hear a lot of talk about how it's a whole new era. And then, yeah, the team stumbles... Admittedly, they have a lot of injuries, but to be fair, for a club this size, being down in 10th place, something needs to be done. But that's something I had anticipated in being... In, to, to be fair, I don't really know what I anticipated being, but buying this many players all at once, including two massive spendings mm-hmm. on uh, Mikhail Mudrik and, and Enzo Fernandez yeah, is really... That is a real splash in the cash move.
0: So I was reading Benfica actually didn't want to let Fernandes go. They kept rejecting the bids from Chelsea. But there were also reports saying that Benfica should take the offer because if, say, they wait until summer, Fernandes may not be worth that much money. So who actually benefited more than the other side in this transfer?
1: Yeah, I I think Benfica definitely won out in this case, mainly because, uh, one, fernandez was trying to leave anyway he missed a game at least one game by not being in the country by flying back to argentina to speak to his agent and i believe he missed another simply because he didn't want to play he'd rather uh, sit out and figure out a transfer deal but at the same time you look at this and i mean it was 120 million euros Mm -hmm. And all I can think of is Benfica have let him go now because this is the peak of his popularity by virtue of having just won the World Cup with Argentina. And even if he keeps playing as he has done and remains superstar player, great midfielder, next big thing talent, he's never going to have this level of fame again, which also, which means that he'll never have this kind of money spent on him again. And I also think that's part of why the money's been spent. One, Chelsea want to get their hands on the next big thing. And two, I get the feeling Todd Bowley, perhaps I'm just buying too much into stereotypes here, but every story I hear of him, of treating this almost as like an American-style franchise, I feel like he will have looked at this and been like, well, we can't get Leo Messi, who's next on the list. And they've gone for Enzo Fernandez. So if if he is planning that as... Selling merchandise, treating him as going to be a superstar. Perhaps it will recoup along the way. But this is, you know, it, unless I'm forgetting something, this is the biggest, most expensive transfer in Premier League history, right? Because yeah, it is. yeah. yeah because the only la- the last one was uh, Jack Grealish for 100. So mm-hmm. spending this kind of money on a player, I'm not going to say untested like Enzo Fernandez. But very much on the way up, seems really bizarre to me. Especially when, you know, how much was Haaland? Like, not even close. No, it's
0: like less than half.
1: Yeah, right. And and then I'm looking at the sheet now. It's 50 million more than Mikhailo Mudrik, Mm -hmm. who had a breakout season at Shakhtar Donetsk. I know they drive a hard bargain anyway. That's kind of what that team is known for. But all this seems to do is make it seem like the Fernandez deal is just ridiculously inflated.
0: I mean, uh, I'm just glad you mentioned Lionel Messi because I'm not saying Fernandez is not a good player. Apparently he is. But he played well in the World Cup because he was teammates with Messi, with Hmm. other genius in Argentina who actually think on the same pattern, who in an exagger- exaggerating way, to say that they can make make it work with their eyes blindfolded. But in Chelsea, yeah. he's he. I don't think he has that kind of chemistry with the rest of the team yet. And he's 22 years old. And also, when was the last South American player you saw that immediately worked well in Premier League? I mean, I couldn't name one.
1: Yeah, and not only that, but... I also can't remember the last time a player was bought off a tournament, like, and then gone on to be as successful. Like, you know, I was reading recently about how James Rodriguez is considered one of the biggest flops of all time mm-hmm. because he was absolutely sensational with the Colombia national team in that World Cup where he scored that that half volley goal. Yeah, and since then he's just declined, declined, declined. Mm-hmm. Because when you have to, or when you're not even have to, when you're expecting that level of performance week in, week out, sometimes twice when there's a cup game as well, it simply doesn't happen. So picking a player on the back of a World Cup performance and paying this much money for it, I feel like this is destined for disaster. Mm -hmm. I really do.
0: Yeah. Um, Chelsea added, let's count, nine players and all of them are young. Actually, the eldest one is... uh, Joel Felix, who is twenty-three, yeah. but there's there's only one like second striker and one f- center f- center forward. The thing with Chelsea is they scored only twenty-two goals in twenty games. That's not proof for good offense. That's actually one of the worst in the Premier League. Do you think these arrivals of new players will actually help them fix that problem?
1: No, not at all. Because because that's it. If let's say. Um, transfer window ends and we're looking through everything and it's they spent a fortune on Enzo Fernandez, and that was it or a fortune on Enzo Enzo Fernandez, then gosh Ralph Felix on loan or something that would say to me that this is a team with a manager in Graham Potter who knows okay our problem is in the midfield so we're going to get the best midfielder we can and that's going to fix it but we're getting wingers, we're getting strikers, we're getting centre-backs, we're getting basically a bit of this, a bit of that. It seems like there's no plan, there's no real idea of how to get this team firing again. It's basically a case of they're just looking for replacements all over the place. And when you take that kind of scattergun approach, maybe it's going to work. There's enough talent here that absolutely could. I saw um, Mudric in his Debut, and he seems to be a little bit of a um, a uh, Darwin Nunez type in the sense of he's very active. Mm-hmm. He is very quick. He causes a lot of trouble. Um, so there's definitely like talent here, and I can see why, at least the players I've seen play, why they've been picked. But to be so broad with this. I've got a horrible feeling that it's just going to be different names with similar performances for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't really call Chelsea the best destination for foreign players in the Premier League. Because, say, the last big Ukrainian name I could remember actually play for Chelsea was Shevchenko from AC Milan when he was definitely top three player in the world. And that part of his career was just horrible. It was, I couldn't say it was anyone's fault, but it was definitely a mistake for him to come to Chelsea. And now this 22-year-old kid in Chelsea, he will have a lot to overcome.
1: I mean, I I hate to say it, and maybe, because I'm not a Chelsea fan, maybe I'm missing a name here. But can you think of a big name that came to Chelsea besides for Drogba and was a success? Like... Lukaku flopped recently. Yeah, um, Kai Havertz has really struggled. Mm-hmm. Timo Werner just couldn't get going. Like whatever it is about this Chelsea side, I'm mean, not even Chelsea side. Just this club in general, the inability to get foreign players in like a plug and play style has been consistent throughout. Basically, throughout the entire Abramovich reign, perhaps we're going to see something different here. Top bowler is just making a start. But you would assume he's so far away from things that it wouldn't really make a difference. And we're going to be relying on Graham Potter. But if Potter's failing so far, and I really like Graham Potter, I thought he was excellent at Brighton. And I think it was... I, I see why he went to a bigger side, but I feel like he went a bit too early. But he's a good manager, and if he can't get results from star players what's going to happen when you just replace those with names, say like Fernandez, who's coming in with all this money, all this hype already proved himself to be a bit of a brat at Benfica. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When things don't work out immediately, are we just going to see more of the same? Like that's the thing which I I can't get over with any of this. I cannot see for the life of me how this actually fixes anything. Like for example, I think the worst bit of business I've seen is uh, Cody Gakpo going to Liverpool. Mm -hmm. Not because I think Cody Gakpo is a bad player or he's going to flop, but that's a team where you look at how they are playing and they need a new midfield. And stocking up on attacking talent is great, but if you can't get the service up there, well, there's no point. But at least you can see the idea behind it. You at least know what they're trying to do. You can at least see the problem and you can diagnose it yourself. With Chelsea, I... The problem is widespread, Mm -hmm. it's not helped with the injuries, and then without any kind of focus in the transfer deals, I simply can't even imagine how half of this stuff gets fixed.
0: That's true. Speaking of Liverpool, um, Gagpo seemed to be like the only major move they made. So far, like you said, it's not very successful. Do you think do you really do you blame Liverpool's front office for not doing more or do you think they really have don't have much to do actually on transfers?
1: I get the feeling that cuz Liverpool are up for sale I believe right? Mm-hmm. Fenway Sports. So I get the feeling that they are perhaps on their way out the door and not really focusing on things because for a while now They've spent very little in comparison to their size, their stature, their position in the Premier League and the Champions League. And it is a team that, under manager Jurgen Klopp, it's gone in the same way his previous sides have done with Mainz and with Borussia Dortmund, where he plays this high-pressing, high-energy style. But if they don't replace the players fast enough, they get tired out, they get burned out, they get exposed, and things fall apart this move with Cody Gagpo feels like a bit too little a bit too late and a move from a front office that kind of doesn't understand you know the right hand doesn't really understand what the left hand is doing mm-hmm. and it's a good move based on what i've seen again you're ba- we're basing this on a tournament performance back in PSV Eindhoven he did pretty well so that's at least a bit of proof that he can do well but from how that team is playing, I don't know how they didn't look at the market and think, okay, we need a midfielder. Because even right now, the the transfer window has closed. And the top rumor is in the summertime, they're going to get Jude Bellingham. And that's the exact move they should make. But why they didn't make it now, I have no idea.
0: Perhaps, like you said, the fact that they're actually being sold has a lot to do with that. And they need to really wait to confirm
1: when the big money will come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that I I suspect that's what the plan is, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah. Uh Man City, which always have been known for their deep pockets, didn't do anything. They actually let Casello yeah. go. He, uh Pep Guardiola said he believes he has enough. He in not only in this position, he believes he has like what we always said on the internet. We have our best players already in this squad. Do you think they did the right? just they make the right decision to let Cancelo go and do not anyone else to the squad?
1: Well, they made a lot of money from it. Uh-huh. They made seventy million euros, I believe. Yeah, off Bar- off yeah, Bar- Bar- had that
0: option to buy him.
1: Yeah. So, oh, oh, oh yes. Yeah, so it's just a loan. It's right? a loan. Yeah. 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 Because the thing is with that deal that I saw is basically João Cancelo was kind of just tired of being. Working underneath Pep, because that seems to be a thing that that happens quite often. He tinkers Mm. around so much that certain players just just get sick of it. You know, we saw Raheem Sterling. Why did he leave and go to Chelsea? Basically, everything points to the way that team works, the way that team rotates. He simply wasn't getting the playtime that he wanted, so he went somewhere Mm. else. I suspect Raul Cancelo was doing the exact same thing, going to Bayern Munich.
0: Mm. Um, Bayern Munich actually had all of their three games after the uh, World Cup all at draw at one-to-one. I don't know what went wrong with that team because apparently they had a new goalkeeper and Mm. their offense didn't work. Can can Cancelo's arrival actually change that?
1: So I suspect the bigger issue is going to be Sadio Mane who's Mm. been injured because the way that team is currently set up I wouldn't go as far as saying it's Manchester City-like with how they've gone from being quite a varied offence to filtering everything towards Haaland. But Sadio Mane out there on the left is definitely their target man at the moment, especially with Lewandowski gone. And I highly suspect that when he comes back, we're going to see a lot more goals because that's it, like you say. It's tied at one all, which is to suggest that the defence is still fine. Jan Sommer is fitting in fine. But the lack of goals is the thing hurting them. Mm -hmm. And with Mane on the fast track to recovery, I believe they're expecting him back within a matter of weeks now. That'll be the thing that gets them firing again. Or at least that's what they hope. Yeah, that's true.
0: Is there any other club or any other transfer you think is interesting, you know, worth discussing?
1: I mean, from a personal point of view, what's happened to Everton has been remarkable because um, basically the club is falling apart. The, the failure on the pitch, then the firing of Frank Lampard. Whatever's happened there, there's been a lot of leaks to the media, a lot of stories coming out. And the Anthony Gordon move to uh, Newcastle. So everything, I forget if it's, a, if it's confirmed or just a rumour, but he was slapped by Connor Cody in a training session and then decided he would never play for the club again. And pushed for a release, and Everton rightfully realised. Well, we may as well just let him go because he's just going to cause trouble. And they got forty million from Newcastle, which is ridiculous. It was sixty when he was meant to be going to Chelsea, but forty is still ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then with Sean Dyche coming in, he only had forty-eight hours to work. But the expectation was, well, with forty million, you can probably get someone in. Uh, Daruma turned us down. And then we did make a single signing, which that's one thing if you are Manchester City and you are hunting a title. When you are Everton and you are on the verge of relegation closer than probably since back to that 1998 season when it came down to the last day, something needs to be done. And not making a single buy and only one sale is... It's it's really bad business. I believe in Sean Dyche and I believe he can keep us up. Mm -hmm. But for me, this has been a complete failure of a transfer window for my personal club.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm no expert in club operations, but I'm just saying that 40 million. Sure, you want to save it? It's okay, but uh, maybe there's some math to be done because you see, first, staying in the Premier League gets you money, good TV money if you yeah. lose that that's going to be w- way more than 40 million and like like everyone always say you need to spend first before you can make money i guess they have other plans i mean they are the front office they may have details that we don't know
1: yeah well they are also up for sale i believe because yeah. um the owner farhad mashiri he's kind of gone back and forth but it seems like he's confirmed now they're looking for a sale Mm -hmm. and I wonder almost now we were talking about with Liverpool earlier, I wonder if that's part of the mechanism for selling your club, you kind of limit your spends and wait for the next person to come in so then they can spend and make it their own team so to speak, Um, that's the only logic I can think of but the way Everton have been these past few seasons logic isn't really a thing the team yeah. is known for.
0: I mean, it could be because these new owners, they're probably just doing business instead of uh, investing love in football. So keeping a real pretty balance sheet will matter mm. more too. But again, say if you own Everton and you're selling it to another guy and say, hey, sir, congratulations, you're not buying a Premier League club, you're buying a championship club. that That's really good <laughs> for business.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially with a new stadium that's going to be finished this summertime. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very difficult at the moment. Yeah,
0: and I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you guys very soon next week. See you.
1: Speak to you then. Bye-bye.